0: On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to a new edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family. Your team every day. My name is Patricia Trina. It is a brand new week, Monday, June eighth. We are on a summer schedule, so we're doing shows three times a week, and uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So today's show. I actually dusted this one off. This one was recorded a couple weeks ago, and it was not initially on my schedule. Um, going back to last month, we did some uh, crossover shows with the NFC West, and uh, we we also did some with the AFC opponents that the Giants will be facing. And this show wasn't initially on the, on the schedule. I don't know why it wasn't, but I'm really glad we were able to do it. This is the... Uh, Locked On Bucks crossover where David Harrison and James Yarko of Locked On Bucks come on and uh, we basically talk Giants. We talk Bucks. Um, You know the format. If you're a longtime listener, they we start off talking Giants. They have questions for me about the Giants as it pertains to the Bucks. And I have uh, questions about the Bucks as it pertains to the Giants. So that's what you're going to hear over the next three segments. So let's jump right into that show, which is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code On, and you'll get $10 off your first order. All right, folks, let's jump right into the crossover show with the Locked On Bucks guys.
0: Patricia, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: My pleasure, guys.
0: Um, So, obviously, the New York Giants, Tampa Bay Buccaneers set to meet again. uh, Buccaneers fans are hoping to get a little bit of redemption or revenge, however you want to call it, this year, uh, stemming off that 2019 loss in Tampa off the leg of Matt Gay. But before they get to that, before they get to the season, even the the New York Giants have already made some interesting additions to the team. And specifically, I'm talking about Jason Garrett and Cooper Rush, both with obvious Dallas Cowboy ties. Um, I actually speculated a little bit in kind of my Madden brain a little bit during the offseason that the Giants might hire Jason Garrett as the head coach and then pride Dak Prescott somehow away from the Cowboys to lead the Giants if they weren't in love with Daniel Jones. Uh, what are your thoughts on the additions of Garrett and Rush and how is that going to impact not only the rivalry but the Giants in 2020?
1: Well first off I love the addition of Jason Garrett you know people can sit there and they can make fun of him all he wants you know him being a clapper or whatever, but look at the offenses that he has run when he's in Dallas. They've been statistically sound. They have been competitive. He's been a little bit more creative compared to what the Giants have had the last several years. um, And he's gotten the most out of his talent. Now, obviously it comes down to wins and losses. I understand that, but with the Giants, a team that has struggled across the board, you have to start somewhere. You have to start building up your um, confidence, if you will, in in what you're doing and how you're doing it. And I think that kind of got lost a little bit with the Giants last year. And I think with Jason Garrett, even though he brings in a a tougher system, one that Daniel Jones has said is different from what they ran last year and is a little bit more complex, a little more detailed, I think in the end it's going to help them. And in bringing in Cooper Rush, that is just nothing more than a guy who has obviously played for Garrett, who knows that system inside and out, and I think who can be kind of like a teaching assistant, if you will, in those Zoom conference meetings and whatnot, to help the guys with understanding what the coach is looking for, how the concepts take place, and how they're supposed to play out on the field.
2: Now, the Giants have one of the most premier running backs in the league and Saquon Barkley. There's nothing the guy can't do. He can catch the ball. He can run like there's no tomorrow. He, he's a, a solid blocker when he needs to be, but that's you know not very often from the outside looking in. But the Giants went out and they added running back Deion Lewis. What kind of role do you see Dion playing in the Giants offense when he's going to be basically complementing a running back that never has to come off?
1: Well, I think what you're going to probably see with Deion Lewis is a guy who's going to spell Saquon Barkley. You know, I made the comparison last uh, not too long ago that given all that the Giants have put on Saquon Barkley's plate combined with the unstable run blocking situation, the concern that I had is that Saquon Barkley was going to get worn out before he hit his 25th birthday. So they upgraded the offensive line, as you guys know, and in adding Dion Lewis, I think they have a solid... Player who can take on some of the um, responsibilities that maybe Saquon Barkley either wasn't as proficient in, or maybe would result in a little bit more of a pounding game in and game out. For example, short yardage, pass protection, um, you know, goal line, that sort of thing. So, I think having him in there will also allow them to to run two running back sets if they want to, um, and, and keep. Opposing defenses on their toes regarding what they're going to do. But but yeah, the addition of Deion Lewis is is probably one of the most underrated additions the Giants made in free agency. And, and I think, you know, he's going to pay off dividends for them.
0: Now, Patricia, I have a follow-up to that kind of and and you know, I think we've seen more and more that the NFL widely seems to believe that running backs aren't necessarily worth a second contract. Uh, most recently we saw the Los Angeles Chargers move on from Melvin Gordon after his holdout, trying to get paid uh, before his last season there. And then eventually moving on and keeping Austin Eckler as what we assume is going to be their starting running back. And then you've got the situation of Todd Gurley in LA as well with the Rams where they did decide to pay him, but now, you know, not too long after he's been, he's being moved, well, he's not being moved, but he was released and then ends up signing in Atlanta. Uh, Christian McCaffrey just got a new contract. I've kind of stood on the soapbox that he's deserving and that, out of the NFL running backs, there are a few that you can kind of pick out of there and say are deserving of that second contract and that potential risk you're going to take in that shelf life. Do you feel like Saquon is another running back like Christian that the Giants should invest in with a second contract? Of course, barring you know future injuries.
1: You know what? It's interesting. Um, on paper, I would say yes, but the problem I have that's gonna that's gonna stop me from saying yes is that we haven't seen. I don't think the full extent of what Saquon Barkley can do on offense, and that is not necessarily his fault. That is based on how he's been used. So we have seen, however, Christian McCaffrey used to his fullest range of talents. We have seen down in New Orleans Alvin Kamara used to his fullest range of talents. We have not seen that with Saquon Barkley yet. And again, it's not his fault. That's not to say that he can't be like Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara, but you need to see it first before you make that kind of investment. And that's why I think this year is going to be a huge one for Saquon Barkley and the Giants offense. That's going to set the stage as to whether or not come after this season when Barkley is eligible to renegotiate his contract, whether the Giants bite, and it goes smoothly or whether we're in for a, okay, you know what? We're not quite ready to do this. We got you under contract for another couple of years. So we're going to take a wait and see attitude. Folks, you are listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Trana and we are doing the Bucks crossover show with James Yarko and David Harrison. And we are talking about the week eight Monday night matchup Giants- host Tampa Bay. Stay with us. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, more of that discussion here on the Lockdown Giants podcast. Hey, Giant fans, if you're like me, every so often you crave something sweet in between meals. And when I get that sweet tooth craving, I satisfy it with a Bilt Bar. Bilt Bars come in 16 amazing flavors and deliver all the sweetness of a candy bar without the high sugar or calorie contents. Covered in 100% chocolate, Built Bars deliver a healthy dose of protein and fiber that holds you over in between meals. To give you an example, my personal favorite flavor, Mint Brownie, contains 15 grams of protein, 4 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs, and is only 110 calories. And now, for listeners of the Locked On Giants podcast, you can try the amazing nut and nut-free flavors Built Bar offers. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on, and you'll get $10 off your first order. That's promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. Welcome back, Giant fans, to segment two of the Locked On Giants podcast. We are doing a crossover show. This is the lost crossover show because uh, it had been sitting in my archives and just now realizing that I never aired it. So my apologies for that. This segment is brought to you today by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Tell them Locked On sent you. All right, folks, here is the second segment of the Locked On Giants, Locked On Bucks crossover show. Enjoy.
0: All right, Patricia, moving on to the NFL draft now. Uh, Andrew Thomas selected in the first round there by the Giants, the first tackle off the board, which I think caught a lot of people by surprise. I know for the majority of the offseason, he was actually being mocked to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers all the way at 14. So for him to go as early as he did, surprised a few people. Um, Where did Andrew Thomas sit on your personal board as far as Giants needs and players that the Giants should take? And, And how surprised, if at all, were you that Andrew Thomas was the selection?
1: He was actually the guy I mocked to the Giants in the two weeks leading up to the draft. I mean, I knew all along that the Giants were going to go offensive tackle. It just made too much sense not to go offensive tackle given where they were drafting, given the depth of the class, given their needs. Now, initially, I thought, okay, maybe they go with um, Tristan Wirfs. I thought maybe Jed Wills because of the Alabama connection. But um, I'm not so sure that, you know, a lot of people had Andrew Thomas going to the Giants. And I started to think Andrew Thomas to the Giants a couple weeks before the draft based on clues I was picking up from Dave Gettleman in in the conversations he had with the media. And also, it just made too much sense because, look... This is an unusual off-season. I don't have to tell anybody that. You know, the COVID restrictions have basically wiped out spring football. So this is not the year you want to be experimenting and moving guys, I think, you know, to other positions because they can't get the necessary on-field work. So in terms of the future for the Giants, it made more sense for them to get a pure left tackle who could ultimately step in and replace Nate Solder, who I think is in his last year with the team anyway, and just put him in there and let him, you know, get comfortable at that spot as opposed to start a kid over on the right side and then flip him over the following year, and now you're gonna set him back. It just made too much sense. And, you know, in Andrew Thomas, he he his skill set was right up there with the other three offensive tackles that were being touted this first round draft picks. And um He is the safest pick the Giants could have made, and the pick that I think made the most sense, and I I really don't think they went wrong with him.
2: Now, outside of Andrew Thomas, the, the Giants made another big splash in round two with Xavier McKinney, somebody who was kind of that borderline back end of the first early part of the second round. Uh, kind of safety. You know, it was kind of a debate as to whether it was McKinney or or a lot of people like Delpit and, and which one was going to be the better of the two. They addressed offensive tackle again with Pert. They drafted a couple of corners. They drafted four linebackers in their last five picks. So taking a look at at the draft class excluding Andrew Thomas, which one of these players do you feel is going to have the biggest impact for this team? And which one was kind of your personal favorite out of uh, out of the Giants 2020 class?
1: Oh, that's easy. That's got to be Xavier McKinney. You know, everybody who was screaming for Isaiah Simmons, you know, I get it. Isaiah Simmons is a tremendous player. But I think a lot of what maybe Isaiah Simmons could have done for the Giants... Xavier McKinney can do I I don't think the Giants are going to necessarily use McKinney as a as a swift Swiss army knight but I do see them bringing back for example the three high safety set a format that worked really well for them back in 2011 when they won the Super Bowl and one that they kind of got away from over the years because they just didn't have the talent to run it so now that they have McKinney in in the fold to go along with Jabril Peppers and Julian Love, who, you know, is like that swing cornerback safety. Uh, I think they're going to be in much, much better con- shape to run that. And dif- and from that three high, three high safety uh, set, they can, you know, really disguise what they're doing and keep opposing offenses off balance.
0: Now, we all know that, kind of the most established general managers in the National Football League and Buccaneers fans are are familiar with success in undrafted free agents because Jason Leigh has a little bit of a reputation for doing pretty well in that field. Um, but they're they're able to find that those undrafted talent guys. Uh, you have two Ohio State Buckeye wide receivers that were undrafted free agents going to New York to play for the Giants or at least try to make the Giants roster. Uh, what are your thoughts on those two guys and how they might fit into this Giants wide receiver core because I see a wide receiver core in in New York that is I think is is fairly solid but I do think there is a room and there's an opportunity if these two young guys can come in there and and shake some things up that they might be able to make this roster
1: you know that's going to be interesting I'm not really sure what to think there because I think you look at the Giants as they're configured right now uh, their top three receivers are Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, and uh, Darius Slayton. And they're also hoping, I think, that Corey Coleman, who missed last year uh, with a torn ACL, comes back and, and bounces back into form. So you take those four guys. Let's say those four guys are, are good to go and there's no injuries or anything like that. Then you throw in Evan Ingram and Caden Smith at tight end, and you throw in um, Saquon Barkley at at running back, now all of a sudden you've got a bunch of receiving options. So I don't know necessarily that the the undrafted free agents that they picked up are going to be as big of a part of the offense this year. I think if anything, if they make the team, you're probably looking at guys who are going to be um, special teamers, if if nothing else. And also you got to remember Cody core, even though he's not really, you know, being factored in as far as the, the receiver, receiver group goes, he is a receiver and he is a core special teamer. So he's got to be counted into the numbers as well. So I, I just think, you know, from a numbers perspective, I'm not sure if there's gonna be any room for those guys, those two those undrafted free agents. With that said, you look, you take a deeper look and you say to yourself, okay, is Golden Tate necessarily gonna be in the long term plans? I don't think so. And then what happens if you know, Evan Ingram gets hurt again, or what happens if Sterling Shepherd, God forbid, has another concussion that has to end his career? What What do you do then? So I think if if nothing else, those guys maybe have a better shot at making the practice squad, and um, you know, contributing in that regard. You might see one of them make the roster at the be- at the back end, and maybe be like kind of a you know inactive on game days. But I I just don't know that. Right now, out of the shoot, those guys are going to come up and and make a, a significant contribution on the offense.
2: Taking a look at the NFC East, you know the Cowboys are really starting to come together as a a legitimate playoff contender. The Eagles are just a few years removed from a Super Bowl championship. How do the Giants stack up against the rest of the teams in the NFC East? And, and of course, we can't forget that, that the Washington Redskins have a phenomenal new head coach in in Ron Rivera. So how do you see the Giants competing in what should be a relatively competitive division, especially with the Cowboys and Eagles up on the top?
1: You know, I think it's a little too soon to say because there has been so much change and you have the new coaching staffs and whatnot. But what I would like to see from the Giants this year are two things. Number one, they have a five, uh, a six-game uh, stretch in the middle of their season, of uh, which they play five of the uh, six NFC East uh, games. So uh, I'm sorry, five. Uh, let me start again. They play five NFC East teams over that six-game stretch. The one, the one team not. Uh, from the NFC East, of course, being Tampa Bay. So I would like to see the Giants come out of that winning You know, at least four of those games because in the past, the Giants just haven't done well against the NFC East teams, and that has been a big, big reason why they have sunk to the bottom of the division. They just can't get out of their own way. Now, the other thing I would like to see before I can sit here and say, okay, you know what? The Giants are going to be competitive. They're going to be you know, ch- challenging for a playoff spot is I want to see progress from week to week. Last year, we did not see it. We saw a lot of the same mistakes that were made in week one being made in weeks 15, 16, 17, and that was not a good sign. So I, I think it's, you know, again, it's a little too premature to say for sure what the Giants are going to be or how they're going to stack up with the rest of the the le- the um, the division. But um those are going to be a couple of the things, like I said, I'm that I'm looking for.
0: Yeah, Patricia, like you said, it's it's obviously way too early to really make any type of solid predictions. Uh, but I kind of referenced it earlier in the in the in the interview, and I'm going to wrap it up here with with a similar type of question. Obviously, again, Buccaneers fans have, uh, by and large, have high hopes for their Tom Brady led squad entering 2020. Uh, again, the Giants came into Tampa last year and the Bucks dropped a heartbreaking game. Uh, to the Giants off the leg of a missed field goal and an amazing second half surge by the New York Giants offense, missing Saquon Barkley. In fact, um, if you had to, if you were a betting person and, and you had to put money on it today, would you take the bucks on paper or the Giants on paper as they stand here in May? Wow. That's
1: a tough one. Um, I haven't really done a, a complete breakdown unit per unit. And again, I, I, I'm not trying to duck the question because it is, there, both teams are currently at the 90-man roster limit, and we don't know what the final rosters are going to look, look at like. But I will say this much. I am very curious to see how Tom Brady does now that he is out of New England. I'm curious to see how Rob Gronkowski performs after a year off. I am curious to see how the Bucks' defense functions, especially against an improved Giants offensive line. Uh, I, I also want to see how the Giants' defensive secondary, which last year was very young and this year continues to be kind of a question mark, how do they hold up against the Tampa Bay receivers? So I think if I were to do a preliminary matchup, I would say – it's probably split right now. There are areas that I think the Giants are better than they were last year and that they can maybe beat the Bucs in. And then there are other areas where I don't feel as comfortable where I think, you know, you can have a big tipping point. And I would say that if I had to, you know, right now make a prediction, the the matchup that scares me the most is the Bucks passing game against that Giants defensive secondary. A lot of youth on that group, a lot of inexperience still, Um, question marks, you know, with the DeAndre Baker situation and whether or not he's going to be available, and if not, who's going to take his place, you know, um, we keep hearing about the pass rush and how they're going to generate the pass rush through a scheme, something that they've been saying, by the way, for the last two to three years and hasn't happened. So I would say if the Bucks are going to pull it off, that's how they're going to do it. And that would be the one area that I would be concerned if I'm uh, the Giants uh, offense. You are listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Trana and special guest James Yarko and David Harrison. They are the host of Locked On Bucks. We're going to take our final break. And when we come back, we are going to wrap it up with the segment on the Bucks. So stay with us. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of cars and trucks, it's become impossible for retail shops to stock everything in a traditional chain storefront. So the next time you need a part for your car or truck, visit rockauto.com. rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. rockauto.com offers scores of different auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers for nearly every make and model of car out there. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks to delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and are the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Welcome back Giant fans to Locked On Giants. Patricia Traina here with you and I am joined by David Harrison and James Yarko of Locked On Bucks and uh, I wanted to get this segment in with with these two guys. They've been really good in the past with me and we did a show for them uh, on the Locked On Bucks podcast and um, wanted to just get their expert take on Tampa Bay, which is a big game on the Giants calendar. So first, gentlemen, let me welcome you to the program. Thank you for joining me. So let's jump in. Uh, and, and the first thing I know we have to talk about is Tom Brady. You know, big to-do about Tom Brady joining Tampa Bay. You know, with him cut came Rob Gronkowski. Some people feel that, you know, is Tom Brady going to be the same guy he was in New England? Is he going to be better than he was in New England? What's the early buzz about, you know, uh Brady joining the Bucks and and what he can potentially do for that offense.
2: It's a lot of excitement, honestly. You take a look at a Buccaneers team that finished 7-9 and nine last year with Jameis Winston, who turned the ball over you know, 36, 37 times, whatever it was, first quarterback to ever have 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. So you take a look at the roster, you take a look at how the defense performed down the stretch, and you eliminate some of those turnovers, especially these these losses that they had in in one-score games where, where Jameis Winston had turned the ball over quite a bit and you think that that consistency and that football IQ and the protecting of the football that Tom Brady brings i mean this is already a playoff roster so they just needed that that really that final piece which happened to be Tom Brady i mean there were there were certain spots on the roster that needed attention, obviously. And I'm, I'm sure we'll get to that shortly. But the biggest one is the quarterback. And the biggest thing for an offense is to protect the football. And that's just not something Jameis Winston did. So there's a lot of excitement about Tom Brady and, and his championship pedigree. And just he's the greatest quarterback of all time. There, There's, you know, there's no other way to put it. And to have somebody like that working with an offense that has Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and O.J. Howard and Cameron Brate, and then to bring Rob Gronkowski along with them, the sky is the limit for this Buccaneers team with Tom Brady under center.
1: Where are you most concerned, though, about this team? You mentioned there are some concerns. I mean, what, what's the one area that you feel that they didn't address
0: you know, honestly, I mean, the so the secondary did uh, a lot better. When when the Giants saw the Buccaneers in 2019, the secondary was still very young. They were still learning a lot of their reads, assignments, and adjustments. And I think what we saw in the second half, particularly, is that Daniel Jones and the Giants' offense was able to take advantage of some of that, some of that youth used a lot of kind of misdirection and, and crossing patterns to kind of confuse those guys. As the season went on, specifically, basically from after Seattle week, which is just a nightmare for the Buccaneers' defense, moving forward, you saw – almost week to week, just just visible improvement. And I think that's, that's a big thing coming into 2020. But I think a lot of people still expected them to address the cornerback group. They did address the safety position, the free safety position, which I think most of us figured was a, a really big need. But that cornerback room is still very young, still relatively thin, to be honest with you. Um, there are some guys, there's an undrafted free agent out of Oklahoma that a lot of people are excited about who might be able to come in and kind of add some depth to that group. But there were some talks about Maybe adding a veteran or maybe spending a draft pick at that position, trying to just add a little bit more value, add a little bit more depth and talent to that group. So the fact that they didn't, I wouldn't say necessarily concerning, but it is concerning from the fact that if these guys have a second year regression or a sophomore slump or, heaven forbid, one of them gets injured, especially early, there's not a lot of meat to that position group. I think that's where the vulnerability lies with the Buccaneers roster right now.
1: The Bucks also, I think, uh, I'm, I'm looking at their defensive front: uh, Sue, Vea, uh, Goldston, JPP. That's a pretty impressive front. And uh, the Giants' offensive line, they, they're they remaking it yet again. They, they're going to have a rookie and Andrew Thomas who's going to play somewhere, I, I suspect, the left tackle spot. Nate Solder didn't have a very good year last year. He's probably going to swing over to, to right tackle. And the Giants will probably have a different starting center, I would think, as well. So that's really three positions changing on that offensive line. I'm just wondering what your take is about that matchup because it does all start up front.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, last year when the Giants and the Bucks played, Shaq Barrett had an absolute field day against the New York Giants. And so bringing him back was a, a huge piece. And Jason Pierre-Paul wasn't even available for that game. He came on real strong at the end of last year. In fact, he almost hit double-digit sacks in, in just a, a matter of a few weeks. So bringing back that entire front seven, you mentioned Vea and, and Sue and JPP, Will Golston had a solid role. You know, they have Shaq Barrett. They have two of the best middle linebackers in Devin White and Levante David. So the front end of that defense is, is really, really scary. And the, we, we spoke with Sean Murphy Bunting uh, last week. And he credited the pass rush, especially with Barrett and JPP, with helping the secondary quite a bit. And they had opportunities created by that front seven and, and getting pressure on the quarterback that they just couldn't turn into turnovers. They they turned into passes, defense, or, or incompletions. But the next step for them is to turn those into you know, takeaways for the defense. So... When you take a look at 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 the Bucks front seven, especially going up against a, an offensive line like New York that has some young guys, has some rearranging to do, I think you know, the the advantage leans more towards the Buccaneers. and And a lot of Bucks fans are hoping that Shaq Barrett is going to put together the kind of season he had last year, led the NFL in sacks, and having a full season of Barrett and Jason Pierre Paul together, that could be a really really scary duo for every opposing quarterback on the Buck schedule.
1: And then on the flip side, you guys drafted uh, Tristan Wirfs, who I think is penciled in as your right tackle, if I'm not mistaken. How do you see that line, your offensive line, going against basically what was the strength of the Giants on offense and defense, which is their defensive front?
0: Yeah, Tristan worst right now is penciled in to be the starting, well, the right tackle. Uh, Jason Light confirmed as much on draft night that they plan to play him on the right side, whether or not he's ready to start or not, or a guy like Joe Haig slides into that right tackle starting position uh, to begin the year, is still to be determined, obviously. But that's kind of the expectation. Uh, I think the expectation for this offensive line is, honestly, is to get better. Uh, DeMar Dotson was the right tackle last year, a serviceable player, a, a huge fan favorite, fan or you a know, favorite in the organization, just kind of a great organizational player. But his best days of playing on the field have kind of been past him. After the season, he actually did an interview with uh, pewreport.com and kind of admitted that run blocking really wasn't his thing anymore. And it's just kind of not something that he was passionate about anymore. And I think that kind of spoke to a little bit of why they targeted that right tackle position so highly in the draft. But other than that, you have Donovan Smith on the left side coming off of arguably his best season as a pro. Ali Marpet has been a constant professional, a constant presence on that offensive line. Ryan Jensen at center is already back in Florida. He vacations back home in Colorado, decided to come back to Florida to get some working with Tom Brady as early as possible. And just yesterday, they were out there practicing at a high school football field, getting uh, getting in sync with his quarterback already. And then Alex Kappa, who was the right guard last year, I think everybody pretty much expects him to come back and secure that starting job again in year two as the starting right guard. If he can get even better and they can continue to to grow as a unit, then the sky's the limit.
1: Final thoughts, guys, on this matchup. It is a Monday night matchup. We still don't know if there's gonna be fans in the stadium. Um my guess is there won't be, but still Monday night football at the Meadowlands. Uh Brady versus the Giants and you know, just any thoughts about the game? I know that, you know, the rosters still aren't set, but the buzz is certainly building up.
2: It's gonna be Control Saquon Barkley. You know, until Barkley left that game with an injury, he was really a non factor. The Buccaneers had a phenomenal game plan to really take Saquon out of that game and force Daniel Jones to beat them, which he ultimately did, you know, thanks in in large part to, you know, some some incredible plays by Daniel Jones, but also some really bad play calling on Byron Leftwich's part and, and kind of the Bucs just falling apart there at the end. But it's gonna be about protecting the football, force Daniel Jones to beat you and and force the the receivers to be the the true heroes of the game. Don't don't let them beat you with Evan Ingram. Don't let them beat you with Saquon Barkley. You know, take your chances with your secondary going up against those Giants wide receivers. And then as far as the Bucks offense is concerned, it's gonna be about protect the football. And, and we know Tom Brady can do that. And I had joked with David uh, on an episode last week when I said, you know, the the ultimate Brady killer in the Meadowlands is now gone at Eli Manning. So I don't know how he's going to fare against Daniel Jones, but I'm sure he's relieved that Peyton's little brother is not there anymore because those matchups did not seem to go very well for Brady historically.
1: They are matchups that I know I am going to miss. And, you know, the Giants had a chance last year when they, they faced uh, Brady and the Patriots. But at that point, Eli had been benched. Uh, the end of an era but you're right those were some of the classic matchups of the NFL guys before we call this show let everybody know where they can find your work
2: yeah absolutely you can find everything that David and I do over at Bucksnation.com, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers page for SB Nation of course you can find us every day on the Locked on Bucks podcast and on Twitter at Jay underscore Bucs and at DH82 underscore Bucs
1: all right, gentlemen, thank you so much for the information on the Bucks. I'm sure we will be talking again when we get to the crossover show. Until then, stay safe. Have a great summer. And, Giant fans, Buck fans, thank you so much for tuning in and listening.